Welcome to Unbooking the Tankatari, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we look at the ups and downs of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. This week, Tank Abbott faces DDP. I'm going to give you the chance of a lifetime there, Doug Dunger. I'll let you come out here and take a shot on me. Wait till he finds out what's behind door number one. Something down the road at the Silverdome in six playing to an empty house. Because the real deal is here. Oh, here he comes. Get that fat duck ass out here. I'll tell you something, Mike. He's not done yet. This man, Tank Abbott, is making a name for himself. So how are you this week, Dan? Absolutely fried, mate, to be honest. It's been a big week. Uh, very, very busy at work. Um, working the most hours I've worked for must be 10 years or more. So. But it's uh, I'm back doing my, my proper job uh, after the, you know, for the last few months after the pandemic. So it's busy, but it's I'd rather be busy doing this than what I was doing before. So I'm trying to find the positives in it. How are you, mate? Yeah, that, that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, you, you weren't particularly enjoying what you were doing before, so at least you're spending a lot of time doing what you like. Um, <laughs> I, I'm good, you know, it's like the Flintstones when I finish, you know, so, someone pulls the parrot's tail, I slide down the dinosaur's tail straight into the uh, car and pad my way home, although, you know, working from home now, it's, you know, just from my desk to uh, the sofa. But... You paddle your way along on the on one of the uh, the office chairs, so you know that makes for great entertainment. Yeah, wheeling myself along. Well, sometimes the best part of your one's day is that your chair spins, isn't it? So it is. Are you drinking, Dan? I am. I am. I've uh, like I say, I've had a big week, so I'm not on anything too heavy tonight because if I drink too much, I might fall asleep. Uh, so I'm just on the Moretti. I'm on the Euro piss. Um, well, and added to that as well, I'm uh, I'm I'm driving relatively early in the morning, so. Don't want to be too. Uh, don't want to be irresponsible. Fair play. I've got a Green Day Session IPA from And Union Brewery, which, again, much like yourself, uh, quite sensible. This is a four point two percent. But coincidentally, I just got the reminder from Ticketmaster that I've got uh, tickets to see Green Day in uh, June, which were booked in two thousand and nineteen uh, and constantly put back. Oh, you have the time of your life. Your basket case. <laughs> yeah, it's actually at the John Smith Stadium, and I, I think at the time uh, I was debating whether I try and sit in my uh, season ticket seat. Oh, do it just for the last. Like take it, take your season ticket with you as well. Well, this is actually my seat. <laughs> no, I think I think we booked in the the upper tier of the Riverside stand from memory um, for Green Day. So it's I sit I sit in the Magic Rock. Well, I don't sit. No, no one sits in the couch. I, I, I'm in the Magic Rock stand. Oh, very nice. And I've, it's just occurred to me as well that at the time of recording tomorrow night, uh, me and my mate Christian were off to um, we're off to uh, Rise's uh, Outlaw Tournament tomorrow night to crown the first ever European Deathmatch champion. Fantastic. Which I'm uh, very excited about. And uh, Alex Cologne's going to be on the card over from America. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some blood and guts. Yeah, sorry, I'm schooling you on Twitter earlier. That was a very pleasant, uh, very pleasant conversation, actually. If you read the back and forth there, it's all, it's all good in the hood. Super. And I promise I'll never say that again because I sound like a right dick. Yeah, and you might come around and stick some barbecue skewers in your forehead. Well, he's, he's only uh, you know he's only in Leeds. It's not, it's not far from where I am. No. Fair enough. So this match that Tank Abbott's going to have against DDP is from Nitro on the 1st of May 2000. But Tank Abbott actually pulls double duty on this Nitro. He wanted two visits to that pay window. Well... He may be getting three if there's another tank segment on the show. So uh, <laughs> he, he's very happy this week. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover Tank Abbott versus DDP in the first half of Nitro uh, on this episode. And then next time we're going to cover Tank Abbott versus David Arquette. <laughs> I could not believe that when I saw it on the uh, on the spreadsheet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How is he not dead? Mind you, as, as we all know, you cannot kill David Arquette. Exactly, and the proof, the reason you can't kill David Arquette is it's been um, destruction tested. He's had a match against Tank Abbott. <laughs> I'd love to know his NCAP rating. Yeah. <laughs> they just drove something at him, but like a crash test dummy thing, a tank test dummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, man. 
So the episode of Nitro kicks off and we get backstage at the filming for 3,000 Miles to Graceland. There's Courtney Cox and David Arquette. So, yeah, I believe she was... Uh, I, I didn't actually watch the segment, but I'm sure I've seen it before where it's uh, Courtney Cox is... He's just he's basically questioning why he's doing it and, and saying, you know, yelling that he's not a wrestler and yeah. trying to talk some sense into him. Exactly. David Arquette said the uh, world championship belt could fit a little better. And Courtney Cox says, you know why it doesn't? Because you're not a wrestler. She's got a point. She has. She has indeed. But this is quite big. I mean, Courtney Cox, you know, star of Friends, absolutely massive at the time. Oh, yeah. She was enormous. The second most famous person to come out of Friends after Tank Abbott. <laughs> and you'd have to argue that you'd know you'd know where you're going to argue that against Tank are you? But yeah, it was. Um, I mean, at this point, Friends was enormous. I think it still had another four years left to run, and it's it was that huge that it's still to this day you have Friends fests popping up everywhere. You know where they where they troll the sets around and all that. Yeah, it's crazy. So after that, we're in the parking lot. We get a new blood limo pulling up. And so we get a Millionaire's Club limo pulling up, and there's a standoff between Arquette, Diamond Dallas Page, and Canyon, and they're standing off against Russo, Jarrett, and Mike Awesome. And then all of a sudden, Hogan drives a Dodge Charger into the New Bloods limo and attacks Mike Awesome. Fair enough. I actually kind of wish I'd watched that now, just to see Hogan in a car crash. Uh, in my notes, literally, I've written, wow, this was a hot start. Hogan's rebranded himself as Terry Belaya at the moment at this point in WCW is sort of shred the gimmick to go against the new blood. And actually, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw some of the some of it later on, and it was enough to it was enough for me to be intrigued. Uh, I, I do need to go back and actually watch some week to week two thousands Nitro at some point, probably in about ten years' time, when I remember and and really take it in because through season one and through doing Tankatori, it's clear that there really was something good in there and something that I will really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say this at the end of this half of the review. This this first half of Nitro is an excellent 45 minutes of a show. It was such a breath of fresh air after those Sullivan Taylor and Ferrara episodes that we've been doing on Tankatori that I've been watching. Um, yeah, it was... Fast-paced, lots of stuff happening as uh, I'll go through. So next, it's a hardcore handicap match. It's Crowbar versus Norman Smiley and the mystery tag team partner. His mystery tag team partner is going to remain a mystery because he's in the costume of Rusty, the mascot from the uh, Birmingham ice hockey team where they're in the stadium for. Um, So we don't find out who he is, but we're going to find out who he is at the pay-per-view when he has the match against Terry Funk. And... Matt Madden's running down a list of former world champions who it could possibly be in the rusty suit. You know, he's uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> just the, the whole list of uh, who, who it could possibly be and saying that we know it's not David Arquette, but, you know, it could be anybody. Scott Hudson speculates it could be the Shockmaster. <laughs> All right, that's better than what I was going to say. All I was going to say is I, I, I love... Um how they're taking it a step further with Norman Smiley's like hometown pandering. I think, you know, to, to bring in the mascot out, I think that's uh, that's just a really good way to do it because he obviously, Smiley gets away with it for some reason. Yeah. I don't know it's why, just, he just always, does. He's always wearing the shirt of the hometown sports team, isn't he? The mascot gets his head, mascot head stuck in the ropes and because he's not wanting to reveal his identity, he, he can't take the head off. So Crowbar does a big wiggle to the mascot and Norman Smiley ends up doing a big wiggle to uh, Crowbar while he's doing a big wiggle to the mascot. Oh, God, it's wiggleception. Yeah, it was. I, I put in my notes, this was a silly but really enjoyable match. Norman Smiley ends up getting the pin. Lots of weapons, uh, you know, just, just silliness from Norman. And uh, Crowbar's always been great when we've watched him. Yeah, but that's what you need. I mean, you've had a hot start with, you know, you've had the star power right at the beginning with Courtney Cox and David Arquette. You've then had Hogan smashing into a limo and beating up Mike Orson. You've had the tension with, you know, New Blood and Millionaire's Club facing off. Why not start with something daft? Just yeah. lighten the mood a little bit and then go back to it. And you could, like Crowbar just fast became a favourite of mine, you know, watching all these episodes and watching it for Tankatory. And Norman Smiley, there's, he's endearing in what he does, even though I don't fully get, you know, the big wiggle and all that. It, it's There is something endearing about him. 
and he does he does the comedy stuff and the, and the bit of silliness very very well. Yeah, he really does. Next up, we're back on the set of Three Thousand Miles to Graceland, and not only Courtney Cox now her co-star Kurt Russell is laughing at David Arquette for uh, thinking that he's a wrestler. And oh, David... Kurt. I fucking love Kurt Russell. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I, when I put it in my notes, I put Kurt Douglas, and then I was like, no, it can't have been Kurt Douglas. How old would he have been? Probably, probably 87, 88 back then. Yeah, it was Kurt, it was Kurt Russell. But, yeah, they're, they're laughing at him, and Arquette's trying to convince himself that he's going to be able to compete with uh, Jarrett and Bischoff. Next, we cut to Sean Stasiak, who's in a basketball court, and he's trying to break the world free-throw record. Yeah, I put in my notes that this just sounded terrible, but I've seen how it pays off later in the show. Yeah, I enjoyed how, and, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, at the time I was like, "Oh God, what they're doing," and, and then it, then I saw the payoff, and I was like, "Yep, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely on board with that." We're going to get a scene where David Arquette tries to relinquish the WCW title, but we're going to cover that uh, a bit later on because Tank Abbott's involved. Then we get a segment where Eric Bischoff gives a humorous a match and he's saying that if any of the um, members of Misfits in Action interfere uh, in the freeway dance that he's going to have later on with Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner, then all the Misfits in Action are going to be fired. Yeah, it's. I get what they're trying to do because obviously it's the whole new blood thing, but when you see that triple threat, you know, you've got Jeff Steiner, Jarrett, former NWO guys... All the rest, when they stick Hugh Morris on the end, you know, it's kind of like one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I think it was just a thing for you know that rivalry because Bischoff wanted to get rid of the Misfits in action. Yeah, that too. Next up, we get a table match. It's the Wall versus Horace Hogan. The Wall in a the table wall. match. What? Yeah. What? What's, what? He's never used a table. It's his natural habitat. <laughs> 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 Matt Madden says, without Uncle Terry, a um, useless slob like Horace could never get a job. Uh, maybe. <laughs> He's got a point. He has. Miss Hancock's out at ringside scouting with a clipboard. During the match, Kidman runs in and attacks Horace. Kidman's obviously got the rivalry with Hulk Hogan and they're going to have the match uh, at the upcoming pay-per-view. While there's the distraction... The wall puts Horace through the table and Hogan runs down. So the wall's won the match. Hogan runs down way too late to try and save Horace. But then Mike Awesome's in and uh, they're they're all attacking Hogan. Hogan has a bit of a comeback. They get him on the table, but he fights his way off. But then he goes to try and superplex uh, Mike Awesome and Mike Awesome, Awesome bombs him through the table. Oh, wow. Hogan actually took the Awesome bomb through the table. He did, yeah, uh, and I just loved it. I'll say it next week um, when we review the David Arquette and we, we get a more Hogan. I, I really enjoyed Hogan on this show. Hang on, what was that? Sorry, I just got to... <laughs> yeah, that, that is indeed a pig flying past my window. <laughs> well, because he, he, he was working with people rather than trying to be the big I am. Yeah, no, that's, that makes perfect sense. You know, I, I mean, obviously he's in this with Horace, who's his nephew and Mike Awesome, who's also a, a family member through Horace's side of the family. So, you know, he's putting family over, but even so, you know, it, it's, um, it it's looks really good. Yeah. And sort of feeds into, you know, Kidman uh, using Mike Awesome to weaken Hogan for him for the pay-per-view. Then we get a promo, Vampiro's in the graveyard and is challenging uh, Sting. Yeah, I noticed he's dotted through the, uh, through the episode and yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm all on board with anything like that. You know, if it's you know, getting a little bit spooky and surreal, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm definitely down for that. Yeah, I mean, this may well be the invention of cinematic wrestling. It, it gets a lot of hate in the IWC. I, I really enjoyed what they were trying to do here with Vampiro and Sting in the Graveyard um, as a concept overall and sort of the pay, going on to the pay-per-view. Next, we get Vince Russo out, and he's got uh, security with him, and the dragon Liz to the ring she's in handcuffs and uh, russo challenges the total package to a, a match she's says lex uh, i promise you one thing i'm gonna rack your ass well dear me i mean that's a uh, don't threaten me with a good time <laughs> i didn't mention it but there was a little bit earlier on in the show and it was only sort of a 10 second thing where flair and luger are sort of coming into the arena and they're talking about trying to get liz back 
and and Flair's wanting to just go full steam ahead. But you know, Luger's saying you know that they're going to have the whole of the new blood and security around. You know, we have to find a way of getting to them, sort of thing, which will play out in a few moments. So then we're on to the triple threat match. It's Humorous versus Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner, who's the current US champion, and he's got the NWO girls in tow with him. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to watch this match, but I, to be fair, it's Jeff Jarrett, so I was never going to. But was it, was it actually any good? Yeah, I thought it was all right. I loved Scott Steiner coming to the ring and um, collecting all the anti-Scott Steiner signs on his way down to the ring. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. Oh, he did. yeah, he didn't even tear them up, he was just taking them off people, it was like, no, no, you know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can pick these up from reception after the show. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so... See me after class. Yeah, so at the start of the match, as you'd expect, um, Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett are working together, but there's the inevitable fallout after uh, Jarrett tries to pin Humorous, and then we end up with Steiner getting humorous in the Steiner recliner. Jeff Jarrett goes and gives him the guitar shot, and Jarrett leaves, leaving humorous there to uh, pick up the pin for himself. So humorous goes on and wins. Oh, no, fair enough. I'll yeah. tell you what, that's that's about as good as you can you can end that match. Really, you get you know the, the sort of the mid card guy gets gets a big win, and you you continuing the. Uh, the beef between Jarrett and Steiner. Yeah, yeah, so that's going to sort of lead on further. Then we get Sting entering the graveyard. It's a short scene, but I thought it looked really good with the location and the filming and the aesthetics that they'd put in with the lighting and stuff. Even the thumbnail looked good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Bischoff is a fucking liar, as Max would say, because he goes on and fires (laughs) in action anyway, even though they didn't get involved. It was just, I'm sick of you, I'm firing you. So well, yeah, that sounds about right. But you know, who knows? Maybe Jarrett was his sleeper agent. Yeah. Backstage, we're in Vince Russo's uh, dressing room. He tells Liz not to look at him while he's putting his shoes on. Weird. But I yeah. tell you what, fair play to Liz. I'm I'm pretty sure it's this point where Liz gets a hell of a slapping. Oh no! It's, it's later on in the. It's in the second half of the show. But oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. I mean, they're doing everything they can. You know, I mean, Luger and Flair have been quite detestable to this point. So they're doing everything they can to try and make them the baby faces in this scenario. Mm. Which is quite difficult because Luger's so naturally unlikable and, and Flair is, to my mind, always better as a heel, particularly at this time. Yeah, but I, I think they did a decent job of it, to be fair. Oh, but, yeah. Flair's never going to do a bad job, is he? But No. No, he's not. We're back in the graveyard and uh, Sting's looking for Vampiro. Vampiro... Uh, ends up coming out of the dark and attacking Sting with a shovel, smashes Sting's head with a small tombstone, and Sting falls into an open grave. And then Vampiro gets a wheelbarrow full of dirt and throws it on Sting. And if that had been involving The Undertaker, people would look back on that and call it brilliant. Uh, and the thing at the end of it, sort of Vampiro's left, and you just see this hand coming out of the dirt. Again, um, if it was Undertaker. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've written in my notes, awesome. I know people shit on this segment. I thought it was amazing. I really did. Very much up my street as well. Yeah, we close out the show with the Tank Abbott DDP match. Well, because of the first half of the show with the Tank Abbott DDP match that we're going to review. But yeah, absolutely loved that 45 minutes of the show. Yeah, from what I only watched a little bit of it, obviously, but a lot of that is really, really up my street. And yeah, can't fault it. No, it was fast-paced, it was entertaining, and it, fe- it felt, and we'll come on, you know, obviously we're going to review the second half of it, but actions led to consequences on this show. Mm. There was always sort of a follow-up to things that were happening, and we'll get a follow-up to some of the things on, on the second half, whereas, you know, it's sort of, you watch wrestling these days, and as soon as people go backstage, like, it just cuts away, and you don't see them until next week. You, that didn't happen on this show. People had beef and... They, they kept after each other all night. So, yeah, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. So before we get the match, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff are going to log into LinkedIn and look at the qualities that Diamond Dallas Page might have that would make him a suitable opponent for Tank Abbott. Yeah, um, just off the top of my head, I believe at this point he's a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. 
He is. Well, he, he was the one that lost the title to David Arquette in the uh, tag team match that it was David Arquette and DDP versus Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett and whoever got the pin, you know, like in that match. You know, when we saw it was um, two dudes with attitude versus uh, Yoko yeah. and Owen. Four men, four men, four titles. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, this stipulation's been used before. So DDP's the one that loses his title, but DDP's trying to protect Arquette going forward because he wants to try and get his title back from him. Um, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So DDP played a school-level basketball. He briefly attended Coastal Carolina University. Um, I didn't even know he went to university. Yeah, I don't think he graduated, but briefly. Uh, he, did, he went on to managing a, a running a nightclub in Fort Myers, Florida, called uh, Norma Jeans, and it was known for its pink Cadillac. Yes, I remember hearing about that. I'm pretty sure he... Was it DDP's car where he drove the pink Cadillac up, up north for a WrestleMania? Yeah, WrestleMania 6, he drives out the pink Cadillac with rhythm and blues, so they had the Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine and... Uh, Jimmy Hart and Peggy Sue, who was Sherry Martell in 50s, get up. God, what a collection of people. Yeah, and DDP driving them. So there you go for his <laughs> cameo. He starts working uh, as a manager in the AWA. He's um, initially managing Bad Company, which is Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka. Oh, right. Paul, sorry, Paul Diamond briefly. I don't know if you saw it or who retweeted it, whether... I, I, to be fair, it might have come on the podcast and I've just forgotten. Apparently, Paul Diamond actually played football when he was uh, playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies and was teammates with Sam Allardyce. Huddersfield Town legend Sam Allardyce. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure I, I've got a feeling you already knew that, but it, it just became fresh in my mind this week again. Wow. Well, there, there you go. There you go. Did you, did you already know that? Go on. No, I, di- I didn't. I didn't, but uh, I don't know what job. Uh, Paul Diamond would have done for uh, Huddersfield Town in the fourth division in the eighties. <laughs> well, he was good enough for uh, he was good enough for the Rowdies. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So DDP goes on to work as a commentator in Florida Championship Wrestling, working with Gordon Sotley. Hell of an education there. Yeah, it is. Uh, he has his first match in Florida Championship Wrestling against Dick Slater. Oh, yeah, stick him in with a, with a good hand like Dick Slater. I mean, thing is, with, with Dallas as a manager, he's so tall. Yeah. He's going to make all his charges look, or most of his charges look tiny. And it's just a really weird dynamic to have a manager that big. Yeah, it, it is. It did feel a bit wrong. Uh, in 91, he signs for WCW as a manager who occasionally wrestles. He's managing the Freebirds. He manages Scotty Flamingo, who goes on to be Raven. And he manages Vinny Vegas, who goes on to be... Head Booker of WCW at one point. <laughs> oh dear. So can we blame uh, DDP for this? Yeah, it's all DDP's fault. If he hadn't been driving him around in that pink Cadillac, he wouldn't have had time to come up with booking ideas. <laughs> <laughs> in 95, he wins the WCW TV title. I've watched a bit of that era, but I don't remember his run. But I bet it was all right. He's, he's, thing is with Dallas, even when he was, even when he was green as goose shit, he's always had charisma and personality. He has. There's always been something about him, even when he had all those gimmicks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember him with the battle ball ring. Mm. Definitely remember him having, having that. In '97, the NWA is um, trying to recruit him, and at sold out. He ends up declining the offer and um, giving everyone a cutter, uh, the diamond cutter, and uh, it turns into a face. And, and this leads to the 1997 feud of the year with Randy Savage, um, as voted for by the Wrestling Observer. But even though it's a Meltzer uh, property, you know it was a really hot feud. Yeah, so I've heard. I've not, I've not seen a vast amount of it, but you know that many people can't be wrong, surely. No. He goes on to win the US title at Starcade that year. And in 99, he wins his first WCW title. Yeah, but how old was he at that point? About 40? Yeah, something like that. It was a really late start, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, he didn't get started until about 36. So it might have been 42. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Diamond Dallas Page is one of the reasons that Eric Bischoff got into WCW in the first place. So they'd had a bit of a beef in the AWA, and when Bischoff went down for his interview, his, his heart sank when part of the interview was working a... 
wrestling type interview with DDP off the cuff and he thought <laughs> the DDP was going to ruin it for him but apparently he was really supportive and gave him some ideas before they went into the session that they were reviewing him on so that doesn't surprise me somehow like knowing what DDP's gone on to do uh, yeah. you know with DDP yoga and everything like that that doesn't surprise me no so there you are two uh, head of creatives and one of was executive vice president who uh, have uh, got DDP to thank for where they are now sort of thing <laughs> um, so in February 1992, he signs a three-year deal with WCW at 1.15 million for the first year, 1.25 for the next, and 1.35 for the next. So at this point, you could get 0.52 DDPs for a Tank Abbott or 1.92 Tank Abbots for a DDP. I'm taking the Tank Abbots. Yeah. Imagine if you had 1.92 Tank Abbots, just tank and slightly smaller tank. Yes, he's about like he's about like five eight. Just, <laughs> just a, just a, just a more concentrated ball of fuck you. <laughs> small tank Abbott's knocking everyone out, and then someone beats small tank Abbott, and it's like, <laughs> it's like that thing on the old SmackDown versus Raw games where Mister McMahon would come out and said, "Have you forgotten about your other opponents?" <laughs> Scooby Tank and Scrappy Tank. <laughs> That's enough about Pete Dunne and his current booking on SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the, the problem with Pete Dunne is they've killed his credibility by standing him next to wrestlers. <laughs> Despite the fact there's every chance that he could, like, legit shoot, take down Ridge Holland. I'm fairly certain. <laughs> if you hit him from behind, <laughs> Ridge Holland is asleep. <laughs> with, a, with, with a lead pipe. Yeah. And even then, you know, <laughs> be iffy. <laughs> Ridge the fridge just wakes up, grabs the pipe, pipe and starts eating it for breakfast. Uh, I, I can imagine the headlines in the Observer now. Pete Dunn sprains wrist trying to pick up lead pipe. <laughs> I want to see but an interproportional match with uh, Butch versus the East End Butcher Shah Samuels versus the Butcher from AEW versus Pat Butcher. Uh, special guest referee, uh, the meat man, uh, real Chris Bellis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about butchers. I'm getting hungry. So in this first segment, David Arquette's trying to relinquish the WCW title. He, he comes out there with his entourage of DDP and Canyon. It gets the hometown pop because it's Birmingham, Alabama, and that's where Courtney Cox is from, uh, which he points out to the crowd. Are we just going to gloss over that suit that would make Jimmy Hart think twice? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's bits later on where he comes out in even more outrageous suits in WCW. So I think he's sort of stepping up his... Uh... Wow, because even Rockstar Spud in TNA would say no to that. Seth Rollins would be like, no, nah, it's not it's not loud enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit reserved, a bit toned down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything more outrageous? Um, <laughs> Arquette says that he's an entertainer, but he's not a sports entertainer, and that he's going to relinquish the belt. I quite it's... like that. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I quite like that because he's making a, he's making a, obviously making the distinction, and actually saying, "Look, this was a fluke on my part. I'm, I'm it back. I fucked up." Yeah. No, I, I did like it. I did like the way that they booked him. To me, it, it makes sense. I would much rather have someone. You know, a celebrity like David Arquette win the title in a fluke scenario and have someone like DDP helping him win the matches than a mid-carder who's not ready for the championship win and they try and pass him off as legitimately good enough to be champion. Yeah, because if, if, if it's a mid-card guy who's been going, you know, maybe 50-50 or worse, like a bit like they did with Jinder Mahal, as much as I enjoyed the fact they put it on somebody new and it was a surprise and it came out of nowhere... It's like they didn't know what to do from there. They were. It was. He always felt you should never have a champion like fighting that hard from underneath. No, no. So I mean, as I say, to my mind, this was the perfect way to book him. I really enjoyed it because, as you say, he knows he's not good enough. Uh, he might have moments when he thinks he's going to compete, but he, even everyone around him, friends and family, don't think he's good enough. So, perfect way to to do it. And DDP knows he's not good enough and follows him around all the time. 
and he says he's going to put up the title for DDP and Jeff Garrett to fight over in the free cage match at Slamboree. Which, in, which in, to a rational mind, makes all the sense in the world. You take it and that's that. Yeah. But not for the wrestling heels. No. Jarrett's music hits and the new blood are out. So Jarrett, Bischoff, Kimberly, because uh, Bischoff has stolen Kimberly away from DDP. Russo and Liz, who's stolen Liz away from um, Lex Luger in a non-consensual way. So that's just kidnapping broadcast to, to the world. Yeah. It is. Jeff Jarrett's saying that um, David Arquette doesn't make the rules we do. He said, you decided to cross the line, you decided to step into the ring, and you decided to be a sports entertainer, so that's exactly what we're going to treat your slap ass as going forward. Yeah, which I can see the logic from a dickhead's point of view, but just, you know, take the belt and, and take your shot. Yeah. No, they, they should have done, really. Eric Bischoff's saying um, that he should have never have stepped into the ring, but he, he didn't now he's the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and now he's got to start acting like one. Yeah, again, uh, okay, yes, I see it from, you know, being a turn point of view, but really? Yeah. So then he's saying, you know, he's going to be in the free the freeway dance at Slamboree uh, with Arquette and Jarrett. Uh, and then we get Luger running in. He's used the distraction of the, the new blood to try and get to uh, Russo and Liz, but uh, Russo escapes through the crowd with security. Dragging Liz into and Luger chases them off. Hell of a master plan from Luger. Well, it, it's um, as good a plan as Luger could come up with. It is Luger <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> Both brain cells were really firing on that one. To be fair, <laughs> I, I did. I did like that. At least there was an attempt. If that makes sense, at, at least the you know he knew that if he went straight on, then there'd be less chance. He was trying to sort of use that distraction to get in there. So. I thought that made a little bit more narrative sense than maybe what you'd see in the current product. Yeah, it, 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 I, I suppose it was it was half an idea. Well, let's not attack them head on. Let's just run in when there's only like six of them around. Well, when they're distracted was more my point, when they were busy doing something else. Yeah, but still, six distracted people become undistracted very quickly. Yeah, well, L- Luger's thinking he's only small. He can nip in there and no one will notice. Should have said much. That's what he should have done. <laughs> Tiny Pete done. That's who he should have sent. Bischoff is saying Mr. Arquette needs a little warm up match, a singles competition between yourself and Tank Abbott. <laughs> I knew what was coming and I still popped for it. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, oh, actually, Tank comes out. Before that, Dan, Scott Hudson sounds. Oh my God, no. Yeah. <laughs> But Tank Abbott comes out, and he looks pissed, but he's got a little smile on his face. He does. Uh, Scott Hudson says um, he's going to kill our cat. He'll kill him. I know you like the car <laughs> after this. My madness says I've got a feeling I'm going to be glad to see Tank tonight. <laughs> They're just shitting on our cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is this yeah. the point where somebody says this is not a match, it's an aggravated assault? Yeah, Scott Hudson said it's not a match, it's an observated assault. Tony Giovanni said this can't be happening. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see a rematch in 2022. Oh, it'd be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. DDP says, uh, Bischoff, you don't really have to work at being an arsehole, do you? And Eric Bischoff says, not a bit. And (laughs) you get that classic Easy E smile. I love that. It was so good. It's so (laughs) good. Yeah, just he's like, nope, nope. <laughs> DDP said Arquette isn't getting in the ring with Tank Abbott, and Tank Abbott says, "Hold it right there, stay out of our business." And then DDP shows balls of frigging steel, saying that they're not. He's not talking to Tank Abbott. <laughs> yeah, and Tank Abbott says, "Well, I'm talking to you. Step up or shut up." <laughs> and that's when most people say, "Sorry, sir." <laughs> <laughs> DDP says, why don't you shut me up, Billy Goat? I mean, it's bad enough that he's disrespected him, but then he calls him Will Osprey. <laughs> Nobody wants to be called Will Osprey. Oh, that's the biggest insult in, uh, in the world, really, isn't it? Yeah. Tank rams DDP into a corner and we get um, Bischoff's brawling with Arquette and Canyon's brawling with Jarrett. And you see in the background a little sign that says, get some teeth, Tank. Oh, it's really unfair. He just leaves them out when he's... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. 
he knows what he's doing. Kira E um, pull Tank and DDP apart. We get Goldberg chance because Tank's been calling out Goldberg for a month, but we won't see uh, hiding the hair of him until June. Yeah, that's a bit of a bastard because the, the fans are really into that idea. The amount of signs you see saying, you know, who's next, Tank, Cabot, and, you know, just things alluding to that match. People really wanted to see it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Goldberg will come in when they, it's cooled down and uh, they're not pushing Tang. That's Goldberg's plan. Swat. Yeah. Tony Giovanni says, uh, remember, this is Bischoff and Russo security. Yeah, they'll be protecting their men. Yeah. Uh, we end up with Tank and Jarrett left in the ring. And Tank Abbott says, Paige, um, you want to go, you can go. Yeah, we'll go tonight, except um, there's going to be a stipulation. You win and your little Hollywood punk gets off easy. I win and he's going to die because I'm going to tear his head off. <laughs> <laughs> so what it means is he's going to go easy on him. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Because no, normally he'd tear his head off and shit down his neck. Yeah, he's, he's letting him off easy on that one. Scott Hudson says, uh, what's Arquette going to say? Uh, he's not ready for Tank Abbott's, uh, for Pete's sake. And Tony Schiavone says, so tonight DDP climbs into the ring against Tank Abbott. It will be to prevent injury to David Arquette. <laughs> There's so many golden calls that came out of this. Yeah. This, this is one of this is like a proper, proper hidden gem of a segment. Yeah. It really is because I, I can guarantee almost nobody will remember this at all. And it was fantastic. No, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And that's what you do. You know, you, you've got, as we said, like the idea of Arquette being booked the way that it has been. But then you've got to put some peril in front of him. Mm. And who's bigger peril than Tank Abbott? Much like the same answer to who better than Canyon? Nobody. Exactly. Nobody. Fuck it. Did you see at ringside, every time like DDP came out, there was a guy who was just holding the uh, Positively Page book? Yes. Yeah, I did. Still in this original rapper. <laughs> Not even read it, he just loves it. Yeah. So now we get the match. DDP versus Tank Abbott. Tony Siobhan is saying, now DDP will face a wrecking machine in Tank Abbott. Yeah, I like to think that's a Rocky reference. Yeah. Scott Hudson says, um, DDP has fallen into the New Bloods trap. Eric Bischoff stole his wife. And now Eric Bischoff has put him into the ring with Tank Abbott. If Tank Abbott wins this match, he gets David Arquette. Yeah, thanks for recapping that. <laughs> so, whoever said it was Hudson, you say? Yeah, it was Hudson. Tank's music hits, and he's on the way to the ring, and he's looking pissed. Now, I'm assuming what had happened is that he'd been to the pay window after the previous segment, and he was still, you know, counting his money at the pay window, and they told him it was time to go out for this match. <laughs> oh, he went to the pay window and said, no, you get a double check after your first match. Yeah, well, maybe that's what they're saying. So there's a sign in the crowd saying, who's next, Tank? Goldberg is the man. So did oh, but did you see the one with the cartoon tank that just had that on the top and then Abbott on the bottom? Yeah, that that was really good. There was a tank sucks sign. So very brave person in the crowd. Prick. Yeah. Lies. Um, yeah, <laughs> propaganda. Mark Madden says <laughs> he's going to be on Arquette, which means no Arquette at Slamboree, no Arquette in all his movies. David Arquette's going to be in the hospital for a long time. <laughs> that's what he gets for trying to be a sports entertainer instead of an entertainer no lies detected there no Tony Schiavone says what if Tank takes DDP apart and leaves an open spot for uh, one Jeff Jarrett oh, that's, that puts a down on things yeah it does Yeah, Tank being the hired gun for Jeff Jarrett I was going to wait till next time or till the end of the match but I really do get the idea of Tank Abbott being Russo and Bischoff's hitman or, his, or the hired gun because he is the most dangerous. You know, you, he's going to be the one you want to throw in, you know, throw people in against just to see him get fucked over and knocked out. Yeah. And for all that we've talked about Tank's run of wins and whatever, um, you know, Tank had said that he just wants to hurt people rather than winning, uh, you know, in that yeah. promo build up to the Big Al match, you know. So Tank doesn't really care about the wins, even though we do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a good person to damage someone, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You put him in a you know, week before a, a, a pay-per-view, put the face in against Tank Abbott, higher stakes going into the pay-per-view, into the title match or whatever. Yeah. So 
Tank and DDP exchange punches. DDP hits Tank, no effect. Tank uh, punches DDP to the ribs, and DDP's down to a knee. Yeah, silly bastard DDP. Yeah, and Scott Hudson said uh, he knew this one wouldn't be Headlock City. Uh, uh, <laughs> and Kevin Owens. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that Kevin Owens stuff. But yeah, yeah what I said it I said silly bastard before. What kind of idiot goat tries to trade with Tank Abbott? And then Tank hits that short right and put DDP flat. I thought that was it. Tank thought that was it. He was uh, stood on the ring apron facing the other way, considering going to the pay window. Matt Madden says, uh, was it that easy? Did he put DD me out that easy? Um, You can sort of see in the background a very groggy DDP trying to pull himself up on the ropes. I quite Uh, like this, though, because it... as daft as it sounds, talking about a six foot five guy getting knocked out by a, a UFC fighter, it wasn't a full bloody shot. No. So it makes sense that he wouldn't quite put him out, but Tank thinks it's enough and he's just wandering off. Somebody surviving a punch is is, a ra- is an extreme rarity. So I quite liked I quite like that little detail. Yeah, and the fact that Tank, you know, wasn't paying attention to him when he was getting up. It cuts to uh, Bischoff and Kimberley's uh, dressing room where they're watching the match, and they're watching TV normally. That cannot be stressed enough. They're not Wesley watching TV. <laughs> and, um, Bischoff's got his feet up. Yeah, well, Kimberley definitely does. Um, and Bischoff's uh, laughing that uh, DDP's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, like that. Yeah, Tank throws DDP through the ropes. Then Tank follows him out. He tries to Irish whip him, but DDP reverses it and Irish whips Tank into the guardrail. Yeah, no, I like I like this going to the outside and DDP using a bit of his size and strength to gain advantage because, it, again, it, it makes sense. You know, on the floor, DDP has a bit more of a chance. But yeah. also it makes Tank a bit more dangerous, so it just, it just sort of heightens the stakes a little bit for me. I loved that DDP was throwing punches and Tank was blocking them like a boxer. You know, he had his guard up sort of thing. Yeah. You don't see that in wrestling. How many matches do you see where they just trade punches backwards and forwards and don't try and block them? This felt like, you know, Tank was do your worst sort of thing. I'm going to block that. Cuts backstage to Canyon and Arquette in the dressing room, and they obviously sense DDP's in in trouble here. Um, And they try to leave, but they've been locked into the dressing room. Again, I'm not often a fan of cutting away from the action, but to see the heels laughing at it, to see Canyon and Arquette locked in in the dressing room, it just thought that it, they did it in such a way that it actually added a bit to the story. Yeah, it did, definitely. I don't think they were locked in. I think that Tank Abbott just slammed the door so hard that it wouldn't open. <laughs> Tank Abbott just told it to stay shut. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Sonic Screwdriver might not work on wood, but Tank Abbott does. It does, absolutely. Works on, uh, commend that reference, Robert. Well done. Tank Abbott punches DDP over the guardrail follows DDP into the crowd, but DDP picks up a bin, and Tank Abbott punches the bin. <laughs> there couldn't be a more perfect representation of Tank Abbott's career. <laughs> Somebody tries to use a bin against him. Bang! It reminded me of, oh, there's a movie, um, it's a British gangster film, I can't remember what it's called now, but there's, uh, Vinnie Jones plays like a hired goon, as he did in a lot of films, and he's just there, he's told to go punch a car window out. But it's like the really, it's not proper glass, it's like plastic. Yeah. You know, something like that, and it just, it won't break. And there's like, there's Ray Winston sat there just going, he'll keep punching that till it breaks. <laughs> a few more seconds. Might take him a while, but he'll get there. He, yeah. will, he will punch it till it breaks. And after, it takes a good long while, just wham! And <laughs> <laughs> punches this window in. Brilliant. So DDP hits Tank a couple of times with the bin and then throws him back over the guardrail. Next to the guy who's got the get some teeth tank sign. Um, Dangerous. Yeah. DDP climbs over the guardrail, but as he's doing so, Jeff Jarrett hits him with a bottle. He's a little bit stunned from that. He's on his knees and tank Abbott. Right hand. DDP's out. Yeah. I like tank winning. I don't like Jeff Jarrett being involved. No. To be honest, I don't think tank Abbott needed the Jeff Jarrett. Uh, assist in this. I think it was just solid in the wounds rather than um, actually, yeah. you know, DDP was clearly on the back foot for this whole match, you know, and, T- and Tank never looked in much peril, really. Um, no, just, but Jarrett must be involved. 
Yeah. Scott Hudson sounds, uh, oh my God, that means he's going to get David Arquette. The realisation of it all is brilliant as it goes through everybody. Yeah, and uh, in the dressing room, Arquette turns to Canyon and says, what does this mean? <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> it's not too quick on the uptake there, old uh, David Arquette, is he? No, DDP's laying there unconscious. We get a, a few uh, replays of the bottle shots and Matt Madden says, you know what, this isn't Scream 3 or 4, it's Scream and Scream again for David Arquette. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Also, I've just remembered what that film's called. It's called Love, Honor and Obey. Go watch it, it's a good one. Sorry, completely off topic, it just, it just popped into my head. <laughs> and the next thing we see is the paramedics taking DDP away. Oh, beautiful. We needed to see more of this for Tank Abbott's, uh, I was going to say opponents, but victims. Well, they did it with Mike Awesome, didn't they? Where um, he was sending people to the hospital. They should have done that for Tank Abbott. Yeah, they should have done, but... Uh, sorry, they did do it for him, but... I mean, they should have done more. Just some random... Or just uh, The only way you could, you could have looked more of a killer is if you just had, like, a few seconds of somebody going to the hospital. Yeah. It's like, you know, just a few of the, you know, the lower card guys he faced. Yeah. So Tank is now 18-3-1. Very respectable record in any form of uh, combat sports. Yeah. And it's it's onward and upwards to uh, the WCW champion next. Yeah, and he's... he's... Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. I got confused with the... Um... With the order again, it's the one is the the loss to Sid Vicious, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. He's only ever lost to a WCW champion so far, and the first three he didn't really understand the rules of wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's still got a draw. It's, it's like he a team that can't play football bagging a draw against uh, against professionals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we asked our listeners of the celebrities um, that have been involved in wrestling. Who would you like to see get punched by Tank Abbott? I can't remember which celebrity I gave. You gave Logan Paul. Yes, that is a very good answer because he's got a very punchable face. Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris 1 said Vinnie Jones. Yeah, I don't really get the hate for, for Vinnie Jones, but then, you know, he's, he's Millwall fan. Millwall Chris hates everyone. Yeah, well, maybe it's a Millwall Wimbledon thing. King's Pig Bladders at Pig Bladders said Screech from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, because Dustin Diamond was in uh, Hulk Hogan's um, celebrity wrestling, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. We should review that at some point if we can find it. Oh, thing is, I remember watching it at the time and I knew then that it wasn't good, so I doubt it's aged well. Maybe from a comedy standpoint. Yeah, uh, well, that that sounds like our bag, really. Uh, Millwall Chris... Millwall Chris has come up with another one, actually. He said Jose Mourinho. Fully agreed, yes. I need that in my life. Yeah, yeah. And Adam at Opzen said, well, he just posted a gif, a, a gif of Jose Mourinho saying respect. So uh, I think no. he's uh, try, trying to get uh, Jose Mourinho out of that. I mean, I'll respect uh, Jose's achievement as a football manager, but he's a twat. Yeah, he is annoying. I imagine if he was managing your club, you'd be happy with him. But, you know, or my club, I'd be happy with him. But, yeah. I, I, I prefer Jürgen. I remember Town played Chelsea when he was manager uh, years ago in the FA Cup. And they purposely made the pitch like a bog. Because, like, we played, you know, like a, a nice silky passing game. And it's mm. like, hang on a sec, we're a League 2 side. Or sorry, a League 1 side at the time. And... You're changing the ground so that you've got an unfair advantage against us. I mean, that's how competitive he was. Petty. It puts yeah. the petty. It puts the petty in competitive. <laughs> yeah. I said I'd like to see uh, him up against Mike Tyson uh, to teach Mike Tyson who the baddest man on the planet would be. It'd be an epic clash. Yeah. And Danny at Scottish Juggalo again said Logan Paul. Well, what can I say? It, it was uh, in the forefront of my mind at the time, and he's a dick. Yeah. Danny actually clarified that it's not just a punch to the face. He'd like Tam Habit to wrap his fist up in barbed wire, dip it in glass, shine it up real nice, light that sum of a bitch on fire, turn it sideways, and strike it straight up Logan Paul's candy ass. And I still wouldn't want to watch it on pay-per-view. I'd pirate it because I don't want to give the Pauls money. No. So where can people find you, Dan? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually talking about movies that are minimum 25 years out of date or wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date. I've done that backwards for the first time. I've confused myself. Uh, you can also hear me on uh, the Doctor Pod with Cy Powell, where we'll, we've, uh, we'll have just about done season one by now, but we've gone uh, classic who, new who, uh, seeing what lands for each of us respectively, because... I'm the uh, the new Who fan size, the classic Who fan. We have got some stuff in store for season two, so keep your ears peeled. And yeah, that's uh, that's it from me. Superb. You can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutual than it is about the followers, so I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. On the same channel that you're listening to this, you can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with the real Chris Bellis and at Scottish Juggalo and that Danny and they are absolutely knocking it out of the park. Forgotten storylines, wrestlers people might not remember that kind of thing. Um, really worth checking out. So, so get on to that. You can follow um, the main show at UTT Podcast. Um, season one we covered the highest and lowest TV rated episodes of the Monday Night Wars period. In season two we're looking at the first and last of wrestling. So really worth checking out there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sorry, just a side note, I meant to say this uh, a couple of recordings ago. Whenever you say real Chris Bellis, I know it's his Twitter handle, but when you follow it up with Scottish Juggler, I keep thinking you're going to say fake Scottish <laughs> to play into the uh, the uh, all the stuff he's got going on on Nitro Nights and changing attitude and all of that, where they accuse him of not being of Scottish heritage. Well, <laughs> come Scottish independence, Kent will be begging for the uh, border to be drawn. <laughs> They certainly will. Danny will be an ambassador. Exactly, exactly. Uh, an, an ex-slave of Scotland. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. <laughs> no, not, not at all. So next time on Booking the Tank Atari, we're going to move to Tank Abbott versus WCW champion David Arquette. We are indeed. Sorry, it just makes me chuckle. It sounds so ridiculous when you say it on paper, but that's the world of wrestling, and I can't wait to look at it. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. This first half of the Nitro was awesome, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens on the next half. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see if it lives up to it. Yeah, superb. Thank you for listening. Page! You want to go? We can go! Yeah, we'll go tonight! Except there's going to be a stipulation. You win your little Hollywood punk boy there. Gets off easy. I win. He's gonna die because they're gonna tear his head off. And I'm gonna rip How head about head that head stipulation? Page is gonna back down from that. Not at all. What's our kid gonna say? He's not ready for take. Kevin for Pete's sake. Hey, neither was I. That's too bad. Our kid made his grave. Time to lie down. He's in sports entertainment now. So tonight with Diamond Dallas Page climbs in the ring against Tank Evan. It will be to prevent injury. To David Arquette, because it could be Arquette looming in the background for Tank Evans.